0: Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T dot Corient.com. This episode is brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity
1: Earplugs. As drummers, we all know that our instrument is loud, and even just playing the drum set for a few minutes with no hearing protection can cause irreversible damage to your hearing. Now here's the thing: foam earplugs, they're cheap, they're easy to find but they don't really give you the right sound. They're not meant for audio. They muffle everything to make it sound dead, and that's usually why we end up taking out the earplugs and just playing with no hearing protection and causing damage. Now, the Vibes are designed especially for music listening and performing, so it it doesn't block or muffle the sound. It just reduces everything to a safer level, keeps the frequency uh, spectrum pretty even. It reduces the volume by 22 decibels. Um, So go check out, if you go to discovervibes.com, they are giving you podcast Listeners, a special discount of 15% off plus free shipping in the U.S. If you use the promo code MODERN, again, go to discovervibes.com, enter the code MODERN, And get 15% off your order. So just go do it. Get yourself a nice pair of Vibes high-fidelity earplugs. I have them next to my kit when I'm practicing. I always plug them in if I'm not wearing my in-ears or my headphones. They still sound natural, but I'm not having any lingering effects. So discovervibes.com. Use the promo code MODERN. Get yourself a 15% discount plus free shipping in the U.S. Let's get the show rolling.
2: Speaking of that snap... I have had now officially my third person call me and ask me how we start our podcast and how we sync our audio being on other sides of the country. Oh, yeah, and it, it's and, about low-fi as it gets. <laughs> yeah, and they get literally, de- like, they're like, okay, so, but you play a beat. How do you match the beat up? I say, no, 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 the beat is just so to even out the spacing when I say one, two, three, four, so that we don't rush or drag and we can line up the, it's it's, it's just so hilarious that <laughs> it's like no one's really figured out how to crack this code yet, so we're all just whipping taping everything thing invented in film, I mean... Exactly. They, they knew about this back in the day, yeah. <laughs> in the silent movie days, my goodness. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm doing quite good. It's been, um,
1: there's been all kinds of commotion in a good way happening, which I don't even know where to begin. I'm like overwhelmed. There's like new gear here. I've got a brand new drum dial tune. Did you see that in amp? No. It's another take on the, you know, a big old one single crank that tunes the entire drum. Okay. So I'm going to be giving that a, over the weekend a real kind of hefty
2: test to see how it does. Pretty cool. What else, man? so much stuff. I got uh, some solid. Clearly you just gave up being clean and proper because you look like a goddamn lumberjack. You <laughs> got <laughs> your red flannel, your yeah, hat, you're scruffy as all hell. I taught a, No, you look like a man.
1: I taught until 10 o'clock in Philly last night. I didn't Do quite you lo-
2: get up as early as No, I it's been. awesome. I feel like you could just walk in here right now and I'd be like, is that... Is that birch? What is that smell? Like, oh it's Dawson. He's rubbing shells all <laughs> rubbing plied shells all over his face. Oh, love it. Good stuff. Oh good, man good stuff. So you're teaching like No, I, I was in Philly, so I teach a, a writing class
1: every other week in Philadelphia, and that's like two hours away from my house. Okay. So when it gets to be 10 o'clock and I'm just leaving Philadelphia, I know the next morning's gonna be a little rough. Right. <laughs> hence the rugged.
2: <laughs> Rugged look. I love it, I love it
1: Who's our intro beat? That's Jason Reeve, Jason Reeve uh, over in the UK
2: He that is, is fantastic.
1: All the key sounds, he played them Using GarageBand's stock Since, I mean GarageBand I think Is maybe the most underutilized Piece of software out there It can do so much I, I mean there's so much cool stuff in there So he's using an Alesis controller um, He's recorded acoustic drums on top That's a 60's Ludwig 400 series snare a '90s Pearl Masters Custom 18-inch bass drum. He's got some '60s 15-inch Zildjian hi-hats, which is my favorite era and size. Um, used two mics. He's got a uh, no, three mics: a Rode Damn it. Rode M5 pencil condensers, I guess, is the overheads, and an SE Electronics condenser on the bass drum.
2: Okay, so I mean, he could have gone with two and yeah. got a similar sound since we are. I'm uh, gonna take his yeah we're gonna <laughs> mono his stuff out but it sounded fantastic. Uh, and speaking of those old drums, I don't know if you saw, but I got a uh, Starlight Sparkle five and a half by fourteen mm. Gretsch late fifty uh, early '60s excuse me round badge snare, but it is in pristine like single owner condition. Uh, huge thanks to the people at Wooden Weather Drum Shop. Uh, by the way, no bro deals. I got on to their website, paid full price. I nice. uh, Explained it when I got home She's <laughs> like wait a minute How much did you pay for a drum that you're sponsored by and I'm like no I'm not sponsored by the vintage ones I only get the new ones <laughs> Alright so how does this sound compared to the new ones I mean let's be honest Fantastic. Here. Okay so I'm so excited about this Because this is as good as it's going to get Flawless bearing edges The drum is in immaculate shape Original everything Except for obviously heads and snare wires mm-hmm. It sounds boxy it sounds mm. mid-rangey mm-hmm. uh, and i cannot wait to film a video if if my prototype snare actually makes it into production i can't wait to film a video of that exact drum me grooving on it and then morph into my current drum so you can hear it's almost like turning the eq on all of a sudden yeah. there's High highs down. and lows and exactly and so it sounds exactly what it should sound like. It sounds like the '60s. It'd be silly to be like, "Can you give me that drum, but make it sound just like now?" Yeah it' right. be a new drum? Did you um, say it has the original wires, too? No, I said everything except for the original uh, wires okay. and original heads, um, which I would swap out anyways. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, it's fantastic. And then I just, because of our podcast, got a text last night from Dana Bentley, who thinks he tracked down uh, that finish full kit in my sizes whoa boy the progressive jazz starlight (laughs) sparkle i think i might have messed up and mentioned that i was willing to pay whatever it took
1: yeah he's like i got a finder's
2: fee on this one buddy (laughs) yeah Yeah. people are coming out of the woodwork for that so uh so yeah so it should be good uh had a special night last night we were able to give my guitarist dino his dream pedal board and uh which is really what's he rocking currently like just stomp boxes uh, Yeah, like a a delay stomp box and a reverb stomp box. And then he's just going direct into one of my Yamaha-powered speakers. And so here's what happened. So Dino, fantastic guitar player. I've known him since he was a kid. Around, uh, he said the last piece of gear he bought was in 2004. So 15 years ago was the last time he bought something related to guitar, which was his current Gibson SG. It was like Mm $2,500. And then right around that same time, he became the singer of his band that he's been in for a while and he had two guitarists. So even though he still played guitar, he just was done with gear. They had all the gear. They were the ones updating their gear all the time. And he just focused on being a vocalist. And so when he got in this band, he just didn't really have any guitar gear anymore besides mm. his guitars. And he is just a really humble. I mean, he is the definition of a hippie and he is just a humble dude that doesn't really care about that crap at all. And, uh, and because of being an age, he's much younger than me, an age where he grew up. In the world of Pro Tools and laptops, he's never really cared about gear. He's like, I'm just going to plug directly into a you know oh, into yeah. my laptop, and then I'm going to use all the plugins for my uh, mm. processing. So, anyways, but he's always geeking out over our bass player's rig, which uh, Q plays through a Helix uh, Line Six Helix. So, anyways, long story short, our band account reached thousand dollars, which was. It's a three-song EP. For us, that was a big deal. That's great. You know, yeah. uh, it, you know, we, we were never counting on making any money from the same ways. But normally, in any band, when you have three broke musicians, you would go, OK, so we each get $333.33 minus PayPal fee transfer. Well, we're adults. So it was like, look, man, we don't really need this personally. That's not going to make a huge difference to us. So I just talked to my bass player. I was like, what if we bought Dean his dream pedal board? One, it's going to add a lot of sound to our band. We're a three piece. He does need effects, Uh, but he would never do it himself. So got on this site that's fairly addictive. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called (laughs) reverb.com. Holy problems. I had to to remove the app from my phone. (laughs) No, you don't understand. I've got like four watches for sale. I'm selling all my cameras. That, that, that website's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, got on reverb, found a brand new one. I wanted to make sure I got him a brand new one or that we got him a new one just in case, uh, in case he didn't like it or for whatever reason he could return it. But, the cool thing was we didn't pitch in. Q and I didn't pitch in. It was all from the people that downloaded The Right Way and paid for the Man on the Moon EP. So when he walked in, he had no idea what was going on. We filmed the whole thing. It's up on my Instagram story right now. But he walked in, and there was his new pedal board in a brand new box with a sign that says, From the Man on the Moon fans, we That's love you, great. Dean. That's And, like so, yeah, and he just freaked out. It was cool. I mean, you know, we started this band originally with the concept of let's do everything that we couldn't do In our other bands and everything that we should have done right in other bands, so Mm. we don't fight, we don't argue, (laughs) we try to be communicative, and we—it was like that's what I wish we would have done when I was 23 years old, but we were way too selfish to do something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's super cool. So so he put in his notice, he's quitting the band, taking his Helix, and (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I almost wanted to be like, "Here's a no compete clause. You can't use this (laughs) pedal board in any other project. You can only use it in our band." But no, I, I'm excited. So it'll be fun. And it'll be nice to actually, now he'll be tracking the tones that we'll be playing live rather than creating this thing inside of a computer and then us trying to reverse engineer how are we ever going to pull that off live. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. Cool.
1: So did you yeah, did you ever add an extra mic to your setup or are you still doing the two?
2: I haven't yet just because we've spent the last week getting the studio painted, which has been quite the process. Uh, this may sound silly, but the whole thing started because our ceilings have always been this cream color which has this yellow cast into my cameras Mm. from all the lights that i'm using and i just needed somebody to come and spray our ceilings and then it was like well since you're here let's do all the trim in black let's do the doors in black let's do (laughs) these walls. so pretty much everything if you've been to camp anything that was gray in this place is now black uh the ceilings are all white some of the walls have been repainted the proper white so the whole place just got like a, a nice little makeover nice yeah, cool. so it's all good, man. Well, I've been all doing, uh, I've been keeping the three mic set up in my studio for,
1: not just for my own experimentation, but for Modern Drummer demos to just see if it's any, if it's significantly more realistic than my multi, you know, more honest or whatever it, you may think it may be. Yeah. More uh, true. Um, and I'm kind of like, I don't think it's any more honest. I think what I was doing with 16 channels was also trying to keep it as honest as possible. But what it's done for me is it's just made it a lot easier. Like I can swap out yeah. a kit in like five minutes rather than taking oh, and having to like yeah. recheck all the phasing and put all that crap. So just having two overheads and a bass drum mic, I've been able to do three drum set tests in the past three days. Wow. Which has been awesome. Just swapping drums
2: out and next, 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 don't have to change anything. Yeah, I think if it, it's tough, but you, I guess in your case you obviously have to put ego aside as far as you know your recording prowess and then think okay if i was actually shopping for this drum set how would i want to hear it and what am i trying to get out of the recording to make this decision is it a good drum set for me or a good symbol for me or whatever it is and i think yeah i mean I, i look forward to hearing that setup from you so I can just see from since I'm more in the shoppers perspective and the customers perspective yeah. how I feel about it. Because well, I know that it was a game changing thing when when Memphis Drum Shop and MySymbol.com went started doing all their demos and it was like there's no mics anywhere. There's just an overhead. Yeah. And they're just saying, I I know that we could make it sound better, but this is actually what this symbol sounds like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the room I think is really important at that point. Um, For sure. my room isn't my room's pretty dead, so it if I just went super minimalist, it would just be kind of flat and bland sounding. Uh, an iPhone. Yeah, but um, what I what I'm think is not going to work is snare drum demos, because not having a close mic on the snare, everything just sounds like a, a crack. That's all you get.
2: You don't have yeah, no, any I, of the I tone
1: agree. whatsoever. So, I'm hesitant to do any, any official snare demos with this setup, but full kits, cymbals, it's, so far it's been on the same level. I don't feel like I'm missing anything, and it's certainly made me more efficient, so... And where is your third
2: mic? Are you just doing two overheads and
1: kick? Yep. I've got a XY stereo pair over the top of the kit um, and then a a large diaphragm condenser 12 inches and 12 and a half inches exactly in front of the bass drum. And that's it.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the overheads are 46 and a half inches over the snare drum. (laughs) If anyone
2: cares.
0: So Dawson.
2: (laughs) So Dawson of you. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to dig into today. We're going to talk about plywood snare drums, which I'm really excited about because I've been digging into this myself and through the process of creating a drum with Gretsch, which we don't know if it'll ever be sold or not, but... Uh, I've learned a lot about that, so I'm excited to share that with you guys and find out what Mike's found out on his own. Uh, we'll be checking out our featured artist, Mr. Philip Fish Fisher from the band Fishbone. And in our gear review section, we'll check out an almond snare, which I'm pretty excited to talk about because I've, I didn't even know that anyone had tried to make a drum out of almond. But if anyone's going to do it, DW's going to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I think they were the first, as far as wow. I know. It's going to be awesome. All right, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about some educational stuff. Plywood snare drums. So as far as I'm aware, this is not a biased opinion, but as far as I'm aware, Gretsch was the company to introduce the Multiplied Shell. Is that correct? Uh, To introduce – you know, I don't know the exact – I
1: would – like how you define multiply
2: more than three or no three three yeah so going from steam bent because that's from what i know that's the original yeah so we had steam bent and then that's why we had reinforcement hoops Mm -hmm. and then the multiply shell gretch was advertising that as a big deal that this drum will not warp because it's a multiplied thing. So right. the three ply shell came in. Obviously, Ludwig would have been around at the same time, yep. catching on. Slingerland, Rogers. Yep. yep. Uh, so then we get the plied shell. So if you guys don't know, plied shell just means what you think. You take laminates of wood and you glue them together, and there, so you've got a piece of wood, glue, piece of wood, glue, piece of wood, and you can do it with as many plies as you want. Would you say the standard nowadays is a six ply shell?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think or st- it's,
2: standard modern.
1: Yeah, probably six. I mean, it, I think it ultimately comes down to thickness. What is the okay. total thickness? Because I I have a kit made out of. Um, Keller has a Magnum series, which is thicker, so you can use fewer plies and get the same thickness as like a six ply shell. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's standard six is probably,
2: and that, that is the Gretsch formula, isn't it? Or is it it five? is Or now. Yes. Yeah. So, no, it's it's six. Is so it? if if you had. Uh, if you had, let's say, a USA Custom, it would be one ply of maple. And this comes to one of your other points that we'll talk about later in the article. But one ply of maple, then four plies of gum, right. then one more ply of maple. And then, like you said, they call that a maple drum. Yeah, exactly. Drum, which is
1: crazy. Yeah, so um, I did this this big feature story in the March issue, whatever's out now, with Dennis on the cover. And the whole premise was I wanted to know what each of the most popular would – what do they sound like? What is their actual natural sound? So – My buddy Chris at Bucks County was into it. He built six drums, um, all to the exact same specs, but with one species of wood per drum. Wow. So everything is the same except for the wood. Like the bearing edges are identical, the number of plies, the thickness, the hardware, the heads, the tuning. I was so, so nerdy about the tuning to where down to the each frequency of each lug is identical on all six drums. <laughs> the it. snare tension itself was identical on all six drums. The mic placement, obviously I played the same dynamic and the same groove on all six drums. Just to see if I could really tell a significant difference between maple or jatoba, for instance, or walnut okay. and birch or whatever. So we got the obvious choices, maple and birch. And then we got cherry walnut those are kind of like the four common shells and then he suggested given two harder woods that are a little bit more rare so we got hickory which is what chris says the hardest domestic american wood you can get okay and then jatoba which is harder than hickory so two really hard woods and then four of what we kind of are pretty familiar with in drum making wow
2: yeah, so gotta those, get, I gotta get me some Jatoba drumsticks
1: <laughs> you know there might be a company making
2: Jatoba I wouldn't doubt it uh, alright so you want to give these a listen
1: well what do we got here uh, if you go to the website you can check out all six drums individually but I thought it'd be kind of fun to see if you can actually tell the difference so I've got this is going to be back to back there's either a maple or a birch drum i'm not gonna tell you what order it's in so you're gonna hear one drum and it's gonna stop and i'm gonna play another drum and it's gonna stop and one of those is maple and one of those is birch okay so you want to try take a listen i'll try
0: i'll play your little <laughs> <Right>. games <laughs>
1: Let's just Mm. talk about what you're hearing first. Let me tell you the tuning. Okay. This was what I would consider my starting point medium-tight tuning that I use for every drum that comes in here to kind of give me a ground zero. So the lug pitch on the batter head was D, and the bottom head was G above that. So it's a fourth D over G. Okay. So it's medium-tight. I would say it's higher than what I would probably ever use it outside of just having fun playing the drum. But that's kind of my ground zero. I can actually hear the most of the
2: shell, but it's not so tight, you know, it's kind of that happy medium for me. Right. Well, the first thing I hear is that there's a reason why birch and maple are the two most popular drum woods besides maybe affordability for the manufacturers. It's both of them gave a nice clear tone and the overtones weren't squirrely at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It just sounded good and pure. And I know that if we weren't being, this specific about it i know that one piece of tape or half of a gel and it's like cool we're in the studio let's go yep drum. and so man i gotta say I'm, I'm playing the uh princess bride game in my head i'm like would he put the name maple first when he knows maple isn't going to be first or would he put maple first knowing that i'm going uh, i personally think that the first drum was maple and the second drum was birch okay what for the, what were your clues Um, I felt that the second drum was just a little bit harsher to me. Like it, it, um, and it wasn't quite, I mean, they were actually pretty similar. I was shocked how similar they were, but I felt like the first drum had a little bit of a wider waveform to it. And the second drum was just a little bit sharper and would cut through. And that's always been my opinion of Birch. Like, all right, I'm in a rock band. I'm going to get a Birchwood snare drum. I'm looking and for a uh, I'm looking for like a winner winner bell ding 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 Yeah.
0: <laughs> Woo! Sweet.
2: Oh god, my entire website just got validated. I'm not playing round two. Oh, God, it's great just so, yeah. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting with
1: these two drums. I started with these two because I was like, obviously these are the ones that everyone's going to go with first. And and, uh, and for years we've been told they're drastically different. Right? I was shocked how much, how similar they were. <laughs> so, yep. what I noticed in the room playing the drums, which is a totally different experience than how it translates to microphones. The maple drum was just broader. The sound just felt bigger and broader and kind of filled the room out more. But at the same time, it kind of felt vanilla and generic. Okay. The Birch, it had a. It just felt like it had more smack and power and punch to it, but still felt like it, it covered all the frequencies. Right. So as a player, the Birch actually felt more fun and more exciting to play, which is kind of contrasting what I've always thought. I always thought Birch would be a little bit restricted and not, you know, just a one trick pony. But out of all six of these drums,
2: if I was going to pick one to go like play a gig with, it probably would have been the Birch. Well, you know, what's funny is in the article that you wrote, you talk about how we as consumers also need to do a bit of research and due diligence on our own to find out birch isn't birch maple isn't maple yeah. there are so yeah. many different factors that come in and I remember when I went from DW drums to Yamaha What, what, whatever Yamaha's using for maple and birch is not what DW is using yeah, I was right. like these are drastically different drums and so maple isn't just maple so I think that if you have a bad experience with a wood, you need to make sure that you try some other drums in that same wood because there's so many factors. Uh, I mean, I think you mentioned in the article there's different species of mahogany. Yeah, yeah, mahogany is right. a big one. And birch, too. I mean, it's like a generic term for
1: a lot of different species of woods depending on where gotcha. it's harvested. So, yeah, birch. Um, and also the birch drum is the one we're giving away. So make sure you go to moderndrummer.com and enter the, the giveaway for that drum. That drum you just heard, we're giving away.
2: It sounded fantastic. I mean, both those drums— I, they both sounded fantastic. There was just a little bit of leftover Rage Against the Corn tones in me that, that was like that second drum is what I would need to cut yeah. through the guitars. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, but I, it didn't. It wasn't louder. So that kind of was wow. Kind really? Of
1: good vent. None of okay. these drums were any louder than the other. I just felt like the Birch had more, more impact
2: in a good way. Wow, That well, uh, sounded fantastic. All right, so now we're going to get a little little saucy. Cherry versus Walnut. Yeah. So let's define what we think. Cherry and
1: Walnut does
2: first. Okay. Got any so, <laughs> Cherry to me, well, the only Cherry drum I've ever owned is actually the Modern Drummer Anniversary drum, uh-huh. the 13. That's solid. That's a solid show. Yeah. And I always thought that Cherry was super hard and not warm at all and not response or um, not sensitive. I always thought it was just this like kind of tough hardwood. And it, the drum that I have that I'm assuming Bruce made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, is not that it's it's fantastic. It has everything I love. So cherry then became once again talking about one drum can change your opinion. All of a sudden, I was like, I love cherry. Yeah, but walnut for me has always been the dead thuddy. Mm. Just detune your whole kit. You got a walnut kit, and so. I'm expecting the first one to sound brighter. Well, I'm expi- expecting one of them to sound brighter. I will call that cherry, and one of them to sound a little more dead and thuddy, and I will call that walnut. Okay, all right, let's link <laughs> <laughs> Swear they're not all the same drum (laughs) no once again I was kind of surprised Uh, that time I did something different so the first time we listened I listened to the whole thing all the way through this time I was just bouncing between 20 seconds in and one minute and 20 Mm. seconds really abm right quick I think the first one was cherry and I think the second one was walnut only based off of what I said earlier about one of them is going to be brighter and one of them is going to be a little thuddier it is the opposite son of (laughs) them. The first one is actually the walnut drum. That part of this podcast was brought to you by (laughs) bobslessons.com. The first one that I got right, that was all Mike's lessons.
1: Okay, but I think you brought up, I mean, this brings up an excellent point. I had the same master craftsman make all six of these drums. Okay. And he knows what to do with each of these timbers to make them the most versatile, all-purpose-sounding drum possible. So gotcha. that's that's a huge factor that I think we, we often overlook. Like, let me just get a birch drum from this
2: company and a maple drum from that company. So, it, And what we're saying is if you had like a major manufacturer doing this, most likely they're going to say, well, th- we do these bearing edges. We do this snare bed. Yeah. Now we're just doing it with walnut instead of birch. Right, exactly. Or maple. Gotcha. And, and okay. I think if it's
1: not – I mean, if it's just coming off a of factory, then you're going to have all kinds of different factors, like what's the, the – moisture content in the wood that day and whereas you know chris is like this is the timber i bought and i know what it's going to do so i need to make sure i do this with it to get the most out of it so i think the moral I gotta story say that is, walnut
2: sounded great by the way
1: the, well the walnut was again every, what you hear in the room and as a player perspective is totally different than what translates to the listener and to microphones for sure the walnut was the most ear friendly of the six it just had yeah. like a softer, rounder sound that as a player, I could this would be my acoustic gig drum. Okay. Like there was no
2: harshness. Rim shots didn't feel like they were punching me in the ear canal or anything like that. Now could <laughs> let me ask you this, could you tell a difference in the feel of the drums? Like as a player, do they no. respond differently? Okay. That's
1: the thing that's that's again, that's the craftsmanship. They all he knew he knows what he needs to do to make it as responsive as possible, as dynamic as possible. So all of them performed wow nearly identically as like response was was phenomenal the dynamic range was phenomenal the tuning range was phenomenal there were subtle differences in timbre that i think you can hear them when you're playing the drum you i don't know if you can really hear them when you're 10 feet in front of the kit and with a microphone on it you really would have to the tuning would kind of change i think like that walnut drum if i tuned it a lot lower you would probably immediately say yeah that's walnut wow. and the cherry if i tuned it higher you would have said okay that's
2: that's cherry I wonder if it just at some point comes down to, I guess, the way that I would see a a Fender P bass or a Fender jazz bass, which is sometimes you just need to get a good bass. Right. Out of the 60, one of these, because of all those factors you mentioned and the moisture content and everything, one of these is better than the other 59. Mm -hmm. And if you had just a great drum set, no matter who made it and what it was made out of, if it was done right and the bearing edges were perfect and you tuned it right – it's going to sound like a drum set. It's, it's going to sound, sound really good. good. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: I mean, there isn't one wood out of these, and there's two more that we're, we're not going to – they're at com. if you want to hear Jatoba and Hickory. Those were more extreme, um, so just go check those out. But I think as far as these four kind of woods that we're all sort of familiar with, any one of them could have covered any gig for me. It just would have been subtle differences. The birch and the cherry had a little bit more focus, a little bit more punch. The maple was kind of the – generic doer of all things and the walnut just felt a tiny bit darker and less abrasive
2: acoustically but yeah you know tiny and what's what's crazy is that if we get rid of the placebo effect whatever it is that you liked about the walnut on one other human could be everything they wouldn't like about the walnut because of personal taste and that's why they make all these things so i thought that was really cool um you know just to kind of wrap up this topic you know that i've been part of this thing with jefferson at sugar percussion right and i've i've commissioned a drum from him and he said you know what why don't we do this before i start guessing because it's not like he's gonna make me a drum i play and go i don't like it and then he starts over it's like (laughs) well that's your drum bro you bought it (laughs) that's your drum so he said why don't we do this before i get deep into this let me send you three drums from my personal collection Mm. I'm going to send you a yellow drum, a blue drum, and a red drum, and I'm not telling you what any of them are made out of. Oh, interesting. And he's like, tell me what you like about the yellow and what you don't like. Then tell me what you like about the blue and what you don't like. And then same with the red. So I have three, of, uh, three drums here from his personal collection, and they're very different species of wood, and he won't tell me what they're made out of, and I'm then reporting back to him what I liked and what I didn't like about each. And then that's what he's going to then base this drum off that he's making for me on. Have you done any testing yet? I have. I I just played the yellow one and I can tell you right now only because this place has been getting painted. So we've just, I mean, it's been kind of unusable for me for a little bit as far as testing drums. So the yellow one, I feel so not legit right now. The yellow (laughs) drum (laughs) With with uh, squiggly metal pieces on the bottom, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> and like a knob that turns them on and off. So, anyways, the yellow drum right away completely squashed what I thought about Stave drums. Uh. It's incredibly sensitive. It's it's beautiful. You know, the only real Stave drum that I've liked has been the one that I got from Cherry Hills. That I then. As soon as I made a video about it, we had to send it back because somebody bought it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I mean, it's a one off, so it's not like you can make another one. Um, so, anyway, so yeah, so this, uh, as soon as I played it, I was like, okay, there, what I will say, even though I'm still part of the Stave hater group, <laughs> I will say there's a massive difference, more difference than I was ready for between high level craftsmanship Stave. And General Drum Company putting out a $300 stave drum. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean it's the a massive difference.
1: Because his ears are tuned to what it needs to do. So he's going to manipulate mm-hmm. that wood to get it to do what it needs to do. And that's something that, that Ron Donetta has been kind of preaching forever. That, like, I don't need to tell you what wood it is because I'm going to make it sound good, whatever it is. Like, I'm not right. going to give you a bogus drum. <laughs> it's going to <know>?
2: You don't need to know what it is. Just know it's going to sound good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, yeah, I'm. It, so I literally took it out of the box and played it live in a live lesson on MikeSlessons.com. And it, you could just see on my face, being like, oh, crap. This thing sounds really good. <laughs> God dang it. But I mean, obviously, the whole point of this is I want it to sound good. There, these drums have been around for a long time for a reason. I. Clearly, I don't want at the end of all this to be like, I was right, stave sucks. That's not my goal. My goal is, why do I think that stave – why do I have all these negative connotations to stave? Can you fix that for me, Jefferson? And that's that's the whole point of this exercise. And then in the end, um, I will have a stave drum here for my students that they can find in my campers so they can have a great example of, yeah, this is what a stave can be. Interesting. You know, know, I think the theory is – maybe I'm wrong, but the reason plywood became –
1: so standard is because in in the past solid like steam bent drums if they got wet they would just open up and you'd have like a go back to plank form <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and stave drums over time would shrink and then basically crack and explode Okay. so I think the whole selling point with plywood was your drums not going to explode
2: or yeah. or open up on you. Yeah, that's I mean like I said in uh I, I don't remember what ad it was, but I was listening to my pick of the week last uh this week, my last week's pick of the week which was the drum history podcast mm-hmm. and um and he did a history of Gretsch and they were saying that it was like in the 1930s, there was an ad campaign. and The whole campaign was our drums won't warp, which means <laughs> the only reason to explain that is because everyone else's drums were warping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like right now, if somebody said that, it would be like, OK, uh, I haven't really had any problems with my Thomas Silverstar lately. <laughs> like, it's not a real big selling point anymore. Oh, but man. at the time, it must have been a massive selling point because of Stave and and Solid Shell. So, That's cool. all right. Well, hopefully you guys learned something from that. It is time now to get to our featured artists. And our featured artist this week is somebody that has been a mainstay in the drum community for a very long time. And that is Mr. Philip Fish Fisher from the band Fishbone. Yeah, we just uh, caught up with him. He's back in Fishbone. I
1: I'd, I'd forgotten that he was out of the band for, for a number of years. And then how many other things he did that were, um, I mean unbelievable resume he's played with you know aside from Fishbone which I think we could all agree is one of the most legendary innovative bands that come out of the 80s they've kind of for influenced sure. all kinds of funk and mixing funk and, and reggae and ska and all in this crazy art project that I think we wouldn't have the chili peppers if it wasn't for Fishbone of course absolutely uh, but here's his, his post Fishbone resume Hooting the Blowfish Macy Whoa. Gray Seal Lionel Richie Taylor Swift, Big Daddy Kane, Sean Puffy Combs, Snoop Dogg, Nas, 50 Cent, Christina Aguilera, <laughs> Rihanna, what? Everlast, uh, Lady Annabelle, T pain M- Most Deaf, Talib Kweli, Sharon Jones and Adapt Kings, De La Soul, I mean, it goes on, Dave Stewart of the Rhythmics, The Bangles, George Clinton, <laughs> Timbaland. Dang! <laughs> Justin Timberlake, oh yeah. <laughs> wow, that's
2: incredible.
1: Yeah, so uh, something happened a few years back where he. He decided the band that he formed with his brother he needed to just get out of it and and I guess everyone was just waiting for him and just he's he's been on a tear, but the band is back together so if you're if you're a fishbone fan, I think now's the time to go see them because it's it's original dudes they're back you know where they were when I first heard them, which is the late eighties um what was the album that I heard give a what was the one about give a monkey a brain or what what is it called
2: Man. <laughs> I don't remember that you know Fishbone came along right when I was learning about I guess modern music because I think I've told you in the past that there was this thing happening with bands like maybe the right before the Chili Peppers but uh, definitely like Primus's first album and stuff and I was being opened up to that and I remember you know at the time Fishbone was straight up weird. Yeah. People totally were like Whoa, weird." Okay. So and it was weird. almost like cool to be into it but Uh, Fishbone was one of those bands where if you didn't get to the party early, you felt like you were not cool enough. So then you had to hate for no reason. (laughs) You had to be like, yeah, I'm really not into that. And it's like, are you sure? Have you ever listened to it? No, I haven't listened to it, but I'm really not into it. It's like, well, okay. Uh, And then because you had to be part of the club. And so they were definitely, I can tell you this, from growing up in the scene that I grew up in where we had the Deftones and lots of other bands that were getting record deals at the same time, a lot of those bands, Deftones were heavily influenced by Fishbone and Bad Brains yeah. and very vocal about it at the time because that's how I learned about a lot of these bands was from the other bands that I was hanging out with, then they would show me their past influences. But it's really cool that they're still going. Yeah, back at it. And I think uh, maybe maybe if you're, if you're a Fishbone fan or if you're a Fish,
1: Fisher fan, you know this, but I'd forgotten that he played on the Red Hot Chili Peppers record Mother's Milk. He played before Chad Smith joined the band— Fish was was playing with the Chili Peppers, so he's on the track "Taste for Pain," "Taste the Pain" off of Mother's Milk, and that track is is really significant for me because I remember when I got Mother's Milk, I was like, "I love this band. I kind of want the goofy stuff to go away and have them just focus on the groovy, funky stuff, like the stuff that they did on on Mother's Milk that was more kind of in the pocket, like more kind of heavy mid tempo funk." Yeah. That's what I wanted them to do. And then the next record, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, was a whole record of that stuff. They kind of right. abandoned the goofy, spastic, punk funk stuff. Right. But Taste of the Pain was the song, and it's not Chad Smith. It's actually Phil, uh, Philip Fish Fisher. Wow, that's crazy. So, so let's drop in a little bit just to check out that tune. In love-
2: That Talk track is so classic. <laughs> memory overload right there. Just, I had the original singer from Faith No More in my head. like, <laughs> right. like All those records hanging out. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that that's defined really cool. it for me. That that song and a couple
1: others on that album became like, that's what I want music to sound like, that's what I want to play. And I had no idea until years later that it was actually Fish that was the drummer. I thought it was Chad Smith all along.
2: Can you imagine... If somebody in their 30s was doing or late 20s was doing what Fish has done in his career, how much it'd be in our face, right? (laughs) Just you know, tracking again, making platinum albums. Take that Instagram story, like, tore him with Justin Timberlake. (laughs) Yeah, but instead he's just doing it behind the scenes, just doing it, doing, and that's that always kind of reminds me about. Meeting Todd Suckerman for the first time and hi- and me just being blown away by his resume mm-hmm. and being like, where have you been? And he's like, uh, working. Working. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to post about it? <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, that's what a true professional does. Oh, just man. works. So really cool stuff. Everyone check out Fishbones, uh, Philip Fish Fisher for more. And so do they have a new album out? They were touring. Um, I
1: don't know. That tour might be over, but they were doing like the the entire. Um, gosh, I just closed the story. They were doing the entire Chim um, Chim's Badass Revenge record. Like that was their show. They were touring it. That's so cool. Yeah, which is twenty three cool
2: year old twenty three year old record. You want wow, to feel old. Think about that.
1: <laughs> I really don't.
2: I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move right into. This week's sponsor, Vibes Earplugs. (laughs) All right, this week is brought to you by Vibes Earplugs. We have a
1: special discount for you guys if you're interested in buying some uh, really nice quality earplugs. So Vibes, they make, um, I've got a pair here, they're really discreet. I use these all the time. I'm kind of an earplug geek, which I didn't realize until recently. I've got like so many different, I'm trying them all. So these are really discreet. You can't see it, but I can see it. It's a little white, maybe like a Q-tip-sized piece with, yeah. a, with a clear handle that, you know, keeps it from dipping into your brain. <laughs> anyway, Very important. So these, um, I have these in my kit whenever I just want to go play drums and don't want to turn on my headphones and all that stuff. These are one of the best options I've found that just keep the, the volume at a point where it doesn't hurt you but doesn't destroy the quality of the sound.
2: Okay, so you feel like you're connected to the kit musically when you have those in?
1: Totally. The, I don't notice any significant sonic difference other than it gets rid of the harsh mid-range stuff that I don't like anyway. It's right. stuff you would EQ out if you could. You would regardless. EQ out. Oh, that's great. So it just brings down the volume. So these um, – what is the code? So you can – if you go to discovervibes.com, that link will be in the show notes. But it's discover, D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R, vibes, dot com, And you use the promo code MODERN. You can get a 15% discount on a pair of these, and it'll be free shipping for anyone who's in the U.S. So I would definitely take advantage of that. It reduces the volume by 22 decibels, which is plenty of reduction to where you're never going to damage your ear, your hearing. But it's not so much that it makes you feel like you're underwater. So
2: That's fantastic. Definitely man. check and there, out. I mean. They're only twenty four dollars without the discount code, so yeah, I think definitely worth getting. Go get a pair, support them. They're doing
1: good things, and we thank them for supporting the show. Um, these these would be the ones that I would just take with me everywhere. They come with a little tiny little case, so it's easy to just kind of throw in your pocket. You know, they go to gigs with me, they go to shows, but there's always a pair right next to the kit. Um, I definitely, if you're not practicing with earplugs. Um, Start. Get yourself some vibes. (laughs) Agreed.
2: Agreed. (laughs) So the discount code
1: is modern. Go to
2: discovervibes.com.
1: 15%
2: off plus free shipping. Do it. Thanks, Vibes. All right, let's get into the candy. It is time for an extremely limited drum. Uh, From what I was reading, they've only made 50 of these. Well, I guess 51 because you had a prototype and then they made 50 for sale. And this is uh, the. Oh, wow. The wood is from California's T&P Farms. Yep. This is an almond drum from DW. So an almond tree doesn't get very big.
1: So they had to harvest. I mean, it'd be I guess they had to be very careful with how they harvested this ah. wood. It's not like you can just cut a huge piece down and just plank it out. They had to be real kind of strategic with it. Um, it's gorgeous. Uh, it looks like almond. Like just the the striations in the in the wood, it's really really gorgeous.
2: Yeah, I mean the cool thing about it, just on a visual level and uh, color aside, is I don't recognize the pattern of the wood. Mm-hmm. Generally, I can say, oh, I know what that is. That's waterfall Babinga. That's maple. That's almond or uh, walnut. I don't recognize this, and uh, so that in itself makes it cool for any drum collector for sure. In
1: typical DW fashion, the finish is is. It's like a subtle kind of burst, so you can't really tell that it's actually... It just looks like a natural wood with some bright spots and some dark spots. It's really pretty.
2: I'm just looking at the thumbnail of your video, not even the picture, but the thumbnail of your video, and it looks like you were taking this to an auto show, and you stopped by and got it glossed. Like It is so insanely gorgeous. Yeah, and I definitely don't wipe down anything before I demo it. (laughs) Okay, so... What was the size of the drum they sent you? That's a good question. What was it? I like think 6 and a half by 14. Um, 6 and a half by 14. I'll just tell you
1: what yeah, it is. 45-degree bearing <laughs> edges. It's a 12-ply shell. So, again, this goes back to does the ply the count matter or is it the thickness? Yeah. Um, my guess, I don't remember, was because it's they had to cut the laminates pretty thin. They had to use more of them to get the, the
2: shell wall the thickness that they wanted it to be. And as far as you could tell... Each ply is a it's a full ply, right? So I mean, I'm trying to think of I'm looking in my mind at an almond tree, yeah, thinking like, how? Small. Yeah, I guess I mean I don't know what these this particular farm it's the T and P farms. Oh yeah, no, they're known for having thick ass almond trees. <laughs> okay, <laughs> everybody knows about the T and P almond tree
1: trunks. Those things oh, are huge, goodness. like an oak tree. Well, let's listen to this thing, shall we? <laughs>
2: Before I get off the rails. <laughs> So just before we get into the sound, so it does say that the shell type itself is different, which they're calling their staggered tandem core. The interior plies are formed from small rectangles of the wood that are stacked vertically and offset horizontally to create a strong, stable core. And then the inner and outer ply are one single piece. Yeah. So it's almost like a quasi stave style with the inner plies. Yeah. Very cool. So since I'm assuming this is the first Almond drum you've ever played, were there any characteristics that made it stand out from the other wood drums that we even talked about in this episode? Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate we just spent 20 minutes talking about how you can't really tell. <laughs> this is
1: a very different sounding drum, for it sure. It is, but you know what? It's it it's distinctly DW. So I think yeah. just like those six Bucks County drums are distinctly Bucks County, if, really, if I wanted to A-B it against other companies, this was consistent with what i've heard from dw snare drums it it had a certain um punchiness like right out of the box that i don't necessarily get from every drum that crosses my way Um, i think the heavier hoops that they're using kind of does something to it makes it a little bit punchier Um, this drum wanted to be tuned higher for whatever reason i felt like Mm. this particular wood did its best when it was tuned medium at least medium and higher nice um lower tunings were chestier and they had some like pitch bend which could be cool if that's your thing um i think unless you're recording i think um for everyday purpose the medium and high just kind of tightened all that overtone up a little bit uh, but yeah i mean it's it's high quality as you would expect
2: and if, and i think you mentioned in there as well that it's a fairly hardwood um it's harder than rosewood and sugar maple yeah so um, that again so. that makes sense that higher tunings would be its its sweet spot
1: because lower tuning i don't think the head becomes too much of a factor like the head just vibrating on those you the wood's not resonating as much as it needs to that's one i think that's why i think harder woods are better tuned higher i could Fantastic. probably disprove that but this drum kind of lived up
0: to that
2: <laughs> that reputation. did you hear me literally just completely ignore everything you were saying and i just threw in a word to <laughs> wrap us up that was so rude of me i'm so you were like really dropping knowledge and i went fantastic okay <laughs> don't worry i'm gonna edit you out it's all good. yeah I think that's a good it's a good call <laughs> but it's, it's call. a beautiful drum and I, I believe they're making only
1: 50 of these and also yeah. 50 of the kits so if you want oh you know, some of the most gorgeous looking and rarest and uniquely american drums uh, these will probably only be available this year so check them out the it's the um they're calling it pure almond
2: fantastic <laughs> All
0: right,
2: let's get into some listener questions. Bring it on, right. buddy. What do we got? Off limits word
1: for you this year. Fantastic. Fantastic. All Starting right. now. <laughs> this is from Zach. Uh, hey, Mike's. I drum in a chuggy sort of deathcore death metal band, and I'm curious of <laughs> your th- <laughs> of your thoughts on rimshotting the floor toms. I've not heard this. Um, I've not heard this mic'd to see how that would go,
2: but from where I sit in the kit, it seems to give a huge, almost industrial sound. Thanks, guys. It does. And uh, touring with other heavier bands of that era and even doing some shows with Slipknot and Mushroomhead, which was way heavier than what we were doing. But I remember that was like, I was hearing a lot of Tom Rim shots and Mm -hmm. it gave it an industrial sound. You know, you feel like you need to be louder when you're playing these massive shows, but in all reality, you don't because you have a, front of house guy that has a fader Mm -hmm. that says rack Tom and he can just push that (laughs) higher, but you feel that you need to be and you start hitting harder. And I mean, it's just the style of the music. So I would say this, know that a rim shot on your floor Tom or your rack Tom is an option. It's a sonic option. If you think it adds to the sound you're going for, do it. If you're just doing it to do it, don't do that. I I think generally I would want a pure sound. You can press a Tom a little bit and you're going to get all the smack you'll ever need out of front of house. Uh, I mean, Mike Tom's in any situation sound amazing mm-hmm. through a, a giant PA. Once they throw a little bit of compression on, them anyways, but it does give it an industrial sound, and I've I've witnessed it firsthand. Uh, I don't I like it personally more on jazz kits, than I like it on rock kits. Yeah, that was that was my first thought. Was I mean, that is that's definitely a
1: very common part of the palette when you're playing jazz and Latin music and, and that kind right. of sound,
2: I and mean, it's a timbali effect. Oh. Yeah, I oh. enjoy I enjoy those tones and I use them to my advantage. I would just I think it comes down with rim shots. Tom's snare doesn't matter. Rim shots just have to be an option, not a habit. I don't yeah. like when people can't stop doing them. I like when they say, "No, I'm doing this on purpose because it needs to happen right now." Fantastic. Yeah, and I think we both would agree that Mike Borden is one of the m- most badass drummers to ever walk the earth and he rimshots everything. He rimshots his hi-hats somehow. It's incredible. Rimshots a shaker. All right, next question. He really rimshots the China
1: symbol. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Okay, this Uh. is from Glenn. Uh, I'm a bit confused. In one recent episode, you guys went on about the values of custom molds for complete isolation and then in the very next episode, you told the story about the value of hearing yourself while playing um, in context of not knowing how loud you play paired with, I guess, using headphones. Absolutely, So yeah. to be clear, I wear good ear racers. It all shows. That's an earplug company Yep. Um, where I'm being entertained, so going to just watch music. I also wear Shore 215s with the yellow foam tips as my in-ear monitor when playing and on airplanes when I'm traveling. Okay. However, I just did a custom ear impression to have um, – some future molds made to replace the 215s. Okay, so to wrap it up, he uses erasers when he goes to shows, So he, he has those for hearing protection. He wears Sure 215s with the yellow tips as his in-ear monitors. Um, he just got custom impressions made, but he's a little hesitant because he doesn't want to drop 500 dollars on custom molds without justification when the $100 215s seem to be doing
2: just fine. Okay. The $100 215s are not doing just fine. You just think they are because you don't have something to AB them against. I yeah. used those for eight years on tour and they were a dream come true for a kid that listened to like speakers next to his drum set growing mm-hmm. up. And I was like, I can hear everything. This is amazing. Then I got custom molded in ears and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, the angels are inside my head. It is so good. <laughs> what I was talking about as far as getting rid of that is. I I don't want to practice drums 100% of the time when I'm not playing with a band with completely uh, detaching myself from the instrument. Mm -hmm. When I'm playing with a band, it's a totally different thing. When I'm playing a live show, it's a totally different thing because I need to hear the band that, you know, when I'm in a rehearsal, we point our, they point their speakers at me. Mm -hmm. When we go to a show, they point their speakers away from me. I can't hear anything. So I would definitely use these and custom molded in-ears would make your gigs so much more enjoyable. I promise you that. But when you're, Practicing drums six seven hours a day, always with custom molded in ears, you can get a little detached from the drum set. Yeah, you start you just start overplaying. I mean, you, I,
1: hear it, I hear it I hear with a lot of like online quote unquote drum videos that I see where there's guys and girls are smashing the cymbals because they've never actually listened to their kit acoustically. They always have headphones or in ears in, so they just are crushing the cymbals. But if you go to your local pub and try to play a cover band gig like that. <laughs> I mean even the the, the bus boy is gonna be like, Gosh man, lay off the freaking splash symbol for once. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i would love i would love for a busboy to say that gosh man lay off that eight inch zildjian k what, what that I'm thing like, what? do to you man <laughs> Come on. you're you're in bro yeah so I, I totally agree i think that it's what i've been asking my students to do is make sure they carve out 10 to 15 minutes at the end of every practice session to ditch the hearing protection so they can hear what the rest of the world would be hearing because sometimes they are genuinely shocked like oh my god this snare is really loud. It's like, nope, it's yeah, not.
0: It's you. just you. It's, your it's you hitting shots. it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, it's you rim-shotting with your
1: 2Bs. That's yeah, what it is. I think so, to, yeah. to address the, because it's kind of a multi-pronged question here, but the last bit about whether or not to use the 215s or custom molds, my opinion, I've heard of a lot of my friends with hearing damage because they use these older 215 style. In ears, and they've had to crank them so loud because the isolation isn't that good. Like exactly, a lot of my friends they've got hearing damage because they use early in ears that weren't they weren't custom molded and they weren't really isolated. You can well, keep custom I, molds a lot quieter. That's the moral of the exactly. story. Exactly,
2: I would say if um, if you have your your in ears turned up to an eight out of ten you, with custom molds, you'd be at a two. Yeah, and you would hear everything great. The other thing is, and I don't know if you had this when you used them, but I was constantly shoving those old-school ones deeper into my ear yeah. throughout the whole gig. Yeah. And then you get a little sweaty, and they start slipping out. And I'm, that can't be good for my ear canals. I'm just pushing as hard as possible yep. just to hear things. So, yeah, and especially if you're if you're playing with a band, it's one thing. If you're running a click track and you're freaking out that your in-ear might slip out, mm. then oh gosh. Oof, That happened to me just, where the, the wire came detached, and I was only wearing oh. one ear. <laughs> <laughs> Just like leaning, leaning oh, it pushing it against your shoulder.
0: <laughs> <was a>
2: <laughs> All right, let's get to one more question. All right,
1: our last one here. This is from Ryan. I've been playing drums for 30-ish years off and on, and I finally decided to start hitting it hard. Um, my question is about a new kit. I went from a seven-piece to a five-piece. Now I have a four-piece Gretsch Catalina Club. And I went from a 22 10 12 16 to the 12 14 20 configuration um so the question is would you normally clamp the bass drum pedal directly to the rim and just hit higher up on the batter head of the 20 or should we he use a lifter that's the overall question i, here.
2: I personally wouldn't use a lifter on a 20 I'm, I'm playing a 20 right now and that's all i play and I actually haven't adjusted my beaters at all. And they still hit close enough to dead center that I don't think lowering my beater a half an inch or a full inch would change the tone that I'm getting out of it. No, I agree. Those those lifters I would only
1: use if you're doing like a 16 or an 18. And even then, an 18, I don't normally use a lifter. A 16, I would because you're hitting almost out to the barren edge at that point. But, yeah, I agree. And really, the, the the center point on the bass drum, at least from a classical perspective, is a null point. So you don't want to hit there anyway. You want to hit slightly above or below center to get the maximum tone. So it should just kind of sit in the right spot, I think, Yeah, anyway. it's like a perfect
2: spot. Yeah, I agree. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bother with it. Boom. Ryan's day is better. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, please keep sending your questions, whether it be audio or text, to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We love getting your questions. And uh, now it is time for our picks of the week. My pick of the week is a shock to me because oh. you know, I have been anti. Just like I said, if you weren't into Fishbone, then you have to pretend that you really aren't into Fishbone. <laughs> That's how I feel about anything that makes sound on your drum set other than drums and cymbals. So okay. when people started slapping, you know, cow hooves and everything and you and freaking. <laughs> Carter and all your little jingle jangles. I, it's kind of like since I didn't get in on it early, I have to rebel and be like, whatever. Yeah. Just play your drums, you fools. <laughs> well, uh, Scotty McPherson over at tackle just sent me a little care package, and in it was a symbol sizzler. Oh, that is great. Yeah, yeah. Throw that straight in the trash. Couldn't care about less about that, but I needed to take a picture of it. <laughs> Need to take a picture of the damn thing to show some appreciation so i it was accidentally on my kit when we had our oh. band rehearsal maybe two weeks ago and i can't take it off of my 18 inch crash uh, i love it absolutely love it so uh the one that i have is actually the most affordable one he makes it's called the leather symbol sizzle chain it's a leather washer with then i believe maybe um oh it's a uh let's see a brass chain mm-hmm. and then at the very end is a copper rivet yep yep i can't even Things i just i'm great. blown away by how much texture that brings to that symbol he sells it in different sizes so you can get it specifically for a crash or all the way up to 11 inches for a ride it's 13 dollars nice that's great why would you Get not one. have one of these? Yeah. Get one. I, I'm, yeah, it's still, it's on my kit right now. And I'm like, oh God. I, you know what it is? I don't think it's rebelling against you two and your little friends with all your percussive devices. I think what it is, is I'm so scared it's a gateway. I don't want to be the guy that's uh, yeah. got like, Beer cans all over my kit. I mean, it's a come on, man. A sizzler? Come on, dude. We've been doing this for like 80 years. You know what? (laughs) That's what everyone said in California it's just weed. And then all of a sudden, we got kids hooked on smack, Dawson. (laughs) That's what
0: this is. Let's
1: not go down that road, (laughs) Shant we? But the misinformation
2: campaign against marijuana. all All right. By the way, CBD company reached out to me recently They were like, hey, we uh, make the finest CBD oil in California Can we endorse you? And I was like, I don't know if it's the right look that I'm going for (laughs) I'll stick with my tea I think what you're doing is amazing, my dog takes CBD oil, I think it's great But it's just not no, my look. All no, right. No, no. You could, you right.
1: could, you could, you could should have just been like, yeah, I think you meant Mike Dawson. Here's his number. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think you meant every other drummer on the planet. Uh, okay. So anyways, check out TackleInstrument.com to order your leather, uh, leather cymbal chain. The other thing he has, which is really cool, I don't have this one, but now that I'm kind of obsessed, maybe I'll get it, is he has a detachable one. So you, just, you can attach the sizzler or not without taking off the washer. The the leather washer always stays on your kit, and it's just got a little attachment. It's really cool. Does yours have the little hooks where you can shorten the chain without having to do anything to it? No, not this one. And like I I said, I didn't didn't ask him for one of these. This was just a little care package. So um, like I said, it was like, all right, let me get rid of this thing. And then now I'm obsessed with it. So pretty cool stuff. (laughs) All right. My pick of the week is it's one particular record, but it's actually more an entire discography.
1: Uh, I've been a huge fan of Chad Blake's drum sounds. For forever and not even knowing that I was a fan of his drum sounds, he produced and mixed the Soul Coughing records and
2: Oh my god. Like tons, tons of Those are my favorite drum of tones stuff.
1: of all time. Yeah. So if you go to allmusic.com, look up Chad Blake, it's T C H A D Blake, B L A K E. His discography is shocking. He's done Sheryl Crow. I mean, there's been so many great records that even from artists when I hear him on the radio, I'm like, I don't normally like this artist, but this song is really cool it's because he f- either produced it or mixed it in most cases. Got it. But the one that I'd forgotten all about is the Los Lobos record Colossal Head. If you want to hear some of the vibiest coolest drum sounds, really. That record, there's a couple of others he did with Los Lobos as well, but it kind of like takes that soul coughing kind of gnarliness and puts it in this kind of like Tex-Mex kind of blues rock wow. context. There's a lot of like Tom Waits kind of, because he did a lot of Tom Waits records too. The guy's discography is insane, but check out Colossal Head by Los Lobos if you haven't in a while. It came out in 1996. It's incredible drum sounds. I'm kind of chasing that. That's what I'm after right now. Mm. That's that's cool, man.
2: Awesome. Uh, Speaking of, it's a bonus pick of the week, but definitely for you, check out uh, Sarah Bareilles' She's got a new single, but she released two songs on her new on her upcoming album, and there's one called Armor, and I'm pretty sure it's Matt Chamberlain playing drums just from the sounds of it. Mm, okay, but it's fantastic. It is literally as soon as you hear it, it's a continuation of everything you and I loved about the Fiona Apple records. Mm, cool, it's I'm on really it. cool stuff. Yeah, so Armor by Sarah Bareilles. And I won't even bother spelling her last name, <laughs> All right, <what>? Sarah Bera Lilies. <laughs> Did I tell you oh, yeah. I saw her in
1: Manhattan when I was walking around? I was going, I was subbing for Carter, and she, I guess, was in between shows. She was doing waitress. Oh yeah, because she does
2: the waitress, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know if she still does with the time. I just saw this real kind of petite,
2: tiny little girl in the corner. And I looked over, and was like,
1: "Wait a minute, <laughs> Sarah Sarah B.
2: Wow, she's she's probably. I mean, that's what I'm the biggest fan of is what I. Considered to be artistic pop. Like, I like pop, but I like when it's done by -hmm. Sting with Vinnie Calhoun on drums. Right. Like, when it's Sarah Bareilles with Matt Chamberlain on drums, or whoever this is. As soon as I heard this song, I sent it straight to Carter, and I was like, this should have been you. (laughs) Because it, like, just fits his vibe so well. I'll check it out. Very cool stuff. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Thank you guys so much. If you get a chance, please go to iTunes and rate and review our podcast. That's how other drummers can find this podcast, which... Helps us spread the word and keep this industry going,
1: All dude. Right, so our outro beat is really interesting. This is by er- this was sent in by Ernie, but this is a video audio from a video of his master teacher. I'm not going to pronounce her name correctly, but I'm going to try. Aga Mayo Butukan. She's playing a darbukan drum which and it's in the sunulag rhythm. <laughs> Damn, good job. It you was filmed that. at the University of Philippines College of Music years ago. So this this lady is ripping on it looks like a djembe drum
2: and she's ripping with just sticks. She's, sticks of wood. Yeah. And her, her I mean you I I hope everybody can see it someday cuz her hand technique is flawless. It's annoying. Dig it. That's it. We're going to send off on that note. Thanks, Ernie, for sharing that. Um, and we need more beats,
1: so info at com. Keep them coming. We could do some more audio questions as well,
2: mdinfo@moderndrummer.com. at modern um, That's it. We're done. Until next week. See you then. Later, buddy.